Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective on its More Lies This Monday episode because it's a basic reminder your ballots might still be on hand and we're being lied to because we're not going to pay more taxes for the kids. We're paying lots of taxes and the children are not better off. And that's kind of weird too. Like I, I thought we were, we were told by all these large institutions, you know, we should speak properly. A kid is a young goat. It's not a child. You have to remember these are children, but it's for the kids. So we're, we're voting for the baby goats. I don't, I don't know. That, that's just the education system. And goat system. has a totally different meaning nowadays too. So, well, our public schools are not the greatest of all time. In fact, I think they're the worst. So we'll have that conversation. We'll jump into the levies and some other things that uh, are more truthful about what we're voting on with Natalie Paulson after inspiration. Our inspiration today is open the eyes of my heart. In 2001, a premature baby named Christopher Duffy surprised doctors by surviving. At five months old, he entered the foster care system until his aunt's family adopted him. A teacher realized four-year-old Christopher, though blind and diagnosed with autism, had pitch perfect. Six years later at church, Christopher stood on stage and sang, Open the Eyes of My Heart. The video reached millions online. In 2020, Christopher shared his goals of serving as a disability advocate. He continues to prove that possibilities are limitless with the eyes of his heart open to God's plan. The Apostle Paul commended the church in Ephesus for their bold faith. He asked God to give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so they would know him better. He prayed that their eyes would be enlightened or open so they could understand the hope and inheritance God promised his people. As we ask God to reveal himself to us, we can know him more and can declare his name, power, and authority with confidence. With faith in Jesus and love for all God's people, we can live in ways that prove his limitless possibilities while asking him to keep opening the eyes of our hearts. Heavenly Father, please open the eyes of our hearts so that we can know, love, and live for you with bold faith that leads others to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I hope that everyone is opening, what, the eyes to their hearts? Because right now, you got a ballot in hand where the government is hoping that you're going to open the bottom of your wallet. Yeah, they'll take your last dime with a lie. And I've got Natalie Paulson in studio again with us today. And we're going to talk about that lie because the voter's pamphlet, I think, should be more reflective of the truth. And it seems that, you know, this it's for the kids. It's just a replacement levy. Your taxes won't go up is a continual lie that I hear over and over. But somehow many voters get fooled. They do. And so do a lot of teachers who, you know, take what the district says at face value, hook, line, and sinker. And one of the things I want to start with is I'm an educator. I care about teachers. I worked alongside these people and I am fighting for them even if they don't see it. I'm also fighting for our children to not just have a life of debt and never be able to get out of it, never own a home, maybe not even own a car at this rate. Yeah. Oh, the cost of living and what government has done that created the inflationary cycle we're in, that created uh, the economy, created the cost of housing, the cost of education. I mean, it, you know, we talk about it's for the kids. They always try to use the kids as Every you know, time. The, the ploy, but they also use the teachers. And a lot of folks, they love their teacher when they went to school. They know teachers that do a good job. And so they use 
it's kind of like using the military guy of, oh, we need to raise your taxes and everybody needs to, you know, forfeit some of their property or something because we're going to go to war because you support the troops. Well, wait a minute. Why are we going to war? We're not. Let's ask the real question. What's the diplomacy we've done here before we take this next? And that's what our education. It's like they're at war with the taxpayers while saying it's for the kids. And and the taxpayers are like, uh, I can barely afford you know, for sports for my kids. I can't afford, you know, shoes for my kids. Yeah. But my, my rent just went up. And a big chunk of the taxpayers are the teachers. And yeah. even though they have gotten pay raises and Spokane Public Schools is one of the best paying, they need to start looking at their budget. They're also now paying so much more at the grocery store, at the gas pump, at, you know, their taxes, insurance, everything has increased. Yeah. So... It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. Well, and it's really strange too. We're talking about the levy. So the the cost of educating our children broadly, because uh, some of us actually chose private school because we wanted better outcomes than Spokane Public Schools provides on, uh, on a general basis. So the cost is, it's strange because one of the better performing school districts in the state is the Mead School District. They graduate more children at higher proficiency rates. And yeah, I, there's social economic differences. So we have to consider those. We, we want to be honest here. Absolutely. We don't want to tell the lies. But the what are they, $15,000 per student? And we're almost $20,000 per student right Correct. next door in District 81, Spokane Public Schools. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about the math here. Uh, you know, whether it's better outcomes, social economic. Okay, let's just say all the students are the same. The outcomes are the same. Why is it know. costing more? Why? And private Why? schools around, let's just say 10, about 10,000. Well, 10 Many to 15,000. Many are doing less, yeah. but about 10,000 for elementary. Sorry, I guess my mind's on elementary. Well, it depends on how elite of a institution you That's want to fair. go to. But yeah, it's elementary. I, I think Gonzaga Preparatory School, which is inside of District 81 geographically, is about $12,000 a year for a high school student. So, you know, they're actually less than Meat School District. but And probably more proficient. And so I keep saying the proficiency, and we are failing. Our Spokane Public Schools is failing at over 50% in all areas, reading, writing, math, and science. And somebody asked me the other day, well, isn't that, doesn't that mean we have bad teachers? No, actually, what I really want to say to the public is our system is failing the teachers and the students. They are putting so much on teachers to teach so many things that are not just basic reading, writing, math, science, and history that they don't have enough time to make sure the kids are proficient in reading, Well, and they're proficient in math. They're integrating into reading, into math, into science. They're integrating all this political agenda-driven stuff that probably drives teachers crazy sometimes, but it also doesn't help the outcomes. Political narratives don't help students know facts, Correct. know reality. It helps that it actually confuses reality and facts. So it makes it harder for the students to have good outcomes because you're teaching them sometimes non-realities and then saying, well, but you still got to pass biology class. Yeah. The science. The science. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. What, whatever it is now. Because, yeah. Well, they only scored a 39% in science. So I guess that measures up. Yeah. And Spokane Public Schools, yeah, the numbers were awful. We just said less than 50% because, I don't know, that's embarrassing enough. 35% in math is pretty scary. Yeah. And that's yeah. according to Washington State Report Card 
www.ospi.k12.wa.us yeah, if that, you want to go take a look at it. And if you OSPI. break that down, I just want to focus really fast on the math because everybody needs math to some degree. So that 35% um, incorporates multiple grade levels, but we're actually graduating about 11% of seniors at math proficiency, 11%. And that's probably why we see such a large socioeconomic difference to other school districts because these children aren't learning better than their parents how to balance a checkbook because they're not seeing the fiscal, I guess, success in their life. Well, they're not going to even be able to move out and own a home. They're probably going to have to live with their parents at the housing prices right now and the property taxes. Yeah. Well, they're going to have to have some form of welfare because they can't afford to live, buy food, and work a job. And, And that's the other thing, too. I know this is Bond and Levy, and we need to talk a little bit more about what's in the voters pamphlet, but businesses also pay these taxes. And so some of those jobs could leave the area, right? Because they don't want to pay the higher costs. They're like, hey, it's uh, if you think about the square footage and the cost of a commercial business, say you want to have a manufacturing firm and you're going to employ 200 people and you got to have a parking lot, all this stuff, it's a lot less money just in the, the school 20 taxes. 20 miles to Idaho? Well, 20 miles to Idaho or even uh, just go out to Mead. Go, you yeah. know, out past Airway Heights, you know. Why would you want to place your business here where the cost is going to be 30% more because you have crazy government and the workforce is not as well educated either. So there's a number of things that, that are an Good issue points. here. So tell us about the untruths in the voters pamphlet that everyone oh, received you. in the mail. Okay, so one of the biggest deals is that we forget that, well, first they say 14% of their budget is this levy. Well, a levy is supposed to be an enrichment levy. So I really want to briefly talk about the McCleary decision of 2012. And so I'm just going to read you a little excerpt from the court document. So the Washington Supreme Court made it clear that the state must end its over-reliance on local levies to pay the state's education expenses. Locally raised property taxes don't meet the court's requirements for education funding. Reliance on levy funding to finance basic education is unconstitutional. Yeah. Well, the reason why it's unconstitutional, so we were all sold that we needed a U.S. Department of Education because you had districts across the nation that would not receive hardly any funding at all because they were land poor because it was all farmland and they weren't property rich like certain other areas. So you had the state level, Washington State, it's in the Constitution, the state will fund education. So you don't have these huge basic education, yes. K-12, we're not talking about pre-birth, right? Take the headphones off the womb. They're not programming them yet, hopefully. Anyway, so you take that and you say, okay, well, the McCleary decision was saying, look, you can't have a dollar twenty-five per thousand of value funding your schools in a rural community, and then four dollars and seventy-five cents funding a school in a city, because now you're you're not seeing any equity Correct. for students for outcomes, for resources. So the McCleary decision said, we're going to balance this out as the state constitution provides that we're not going to see these huge swings of, of costs. Like we just stated, $15,000 in the Mead school district and $20,000 per student in Spokane public schools. So it doesn't make sense. Okay. It's only 14% of your budget. Well, it sounds like you're 14, you're 30% over your budget already, as far as I can tell. And you know how they get away with it. So it is stated in our constitution that school districts can only actually collect the lower of the following, whether it is 
the amount in dollars that voters approve per pupil limit or the tax rate limit. And so one of the things they do is, it, and it says it in their rebuttal to me, is that, well, the taxpayers approved it. And that's how they get away with it, is if they can convince the voters, are you listening voters? If they can convince you to vote for it, they can get around all of that verbiage. And so I don't know how right now people, other than, oh, we love kids. We want them to have a promising future. I don't know how citizens right now, when we just had the worst inflationary situation ever, I mean, the cost of... uh, renting an apartment a few years ago was like 900 bucks. Now it's 1500. Right. You know, you can't buy a house for $150,000 like you could five or 10 years ago. I think the cheapest house, I mean, maybe a house without windows, maybe one that's half burned down you could get for that. <laughs> but that, you know, it's, if you want to live, um, the cost of groceries, look at the cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Who would vote for a tax? right now. So I, I don't know how they're going to do this unless people just don't turn out. Or here's vote. another question. What is responsible of the district? Why are they putting more on families? Why don't they look at, because they could have taken less money. So right now they're doing 250 per thousand assessed value. They could have asked for less. They could have, yeah. They didn't have to ask for the maximum. Well, and they have less students enrolled. So Correct. there's $30 million worth of funding they've been receiving for the last, what, four years? That they didn't have students in the seats because they went back to 2019 funding. So our school district and all the other surrounding school districts, all the school districts in the state by statewide numbers, they've all lost children out of the public education system. So they had that extra money. They could have banked that money. They could have banked that money, which I'm sure it's somewhere. I mean, if we did public disclosure on the public schools finances, that money is banked somewhere. And they're still asking us for more money, even though they already got raises in the last four years because our property assessments went up. Exactly. Right there. When they, they say it's, you know, $2.50 per 1000 assessed value and assessed values have gone up at least 40% more for many, they've gotten more money. Lots more money. Lots and lots more money. I think we talked about 49% was the increase in Spokane County. Uh, so an uh, assessed value. So uh, a lot more money. 49% raise is pretty darn good, folks. Okay, tell everybody you know, get those ballots turned in, vote for the future of children. And that's not debt, the unaccountable educational industrial complex. We're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with Natalie Paulson. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are only on the air and podcast because you support this program. You, the listeners, we are listener-supported. Keep us on the air to keep all these interviews and shows going. Please go to rightspokaneperspective.com. There's a donate button there. Or you can send your donation to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, PO Box 7620-99207. Thanks and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective on It's Not For The Kids. I'm telling you, it's just more money coming out of your pocket. More lies. More lies. Monday episode. Okay, we got Natalie Paulson in still with us. We we want to talk a little bit more about this levy because we're seeing an education system that has less children and more money than ever. Where's all of it going? Are they putting up barbed wire to keep the kids safe? I don't see any barbed wire, but supposedly they're doing this for safety and safety specialists, but yet we have no resource officers. Safety specialists. I have no idea what it is. 
That sounds, I mean, in, in government speak, what I've kind of been seeing lately with the way they change terminology. So a resource officer would be somebody that has like a taser and they look official. They've probably done a few sit-ups. They look like they could chase a kid that's beating somebody up or something. Have right? a uniform. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, look very professional, fit, understand the law. Whereas like a safety specialist, that sounds like somebody that... If people feel unsafe, they can go to that person and that person can help them change the way they feel. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. Um, I would love to ask the district, like, explain to me how you are making us safe. So I would love to ask teachers, is your classroom safer than it was five years ago? Do you feel that you can keep your students safe from another violent student? Just a question. I think yeah. we need to ask. And I'm just wondering how the levy money is keeping us safe. Well, and does a, does a safety specialist have jurisdiction off school property? Because one of the things that I see as a big issue now is that because we have less policing than ever, we just had the sheriff in and interim police chief in not very long ago. When you're talking about public safety, Washington State is 51st in the nation, even after the District of Columbia for law enforcement. So, like, the national average is, like, two point whatever officers per thousand residents. In Spokane County, we are at 0.9. So, our county needs to double the size of their law enforcement. We used to have those school resource officers, and those school resource officers were also officers. So when the school goes on lockdown because there's some maniac on drugs doing something not too far away from the school, that person could also prepare the school as a safety specialist and an officer. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's only half duty, the safety specialist. But anyway, then you actually have an officer there that has legal authority to take action, not just, you know, powder your feelings. Well, and they did know the law. Uh, when I worked in Spokane schools, I used to always say that they were the calm in the storm. There was something about that uniform, and they were amazing guys. They had um, really great relationships with the kids, guys and gals. There mm -hmm. were a couple ladies. And it was amazing. They would come in, and because they would, you know, kind of service all the kids, they knew some of the frequent flyers. They had great relationships with them when I saw them. And, again, I'll say they walked in with that uniform, and there was something about that uniform that that kid would almost immediately calm. Well, it's accountability. So if the uniform's not there and it's just a teacher, and I don't want to say just a teacher, but a teacher can't arrest you. You know, that's just how it is. A teacher can't take you to the ground. Because sometimes these students are bigger than the teachers in high school, right? Uh, so, try elementary. Most of my um, <laughs> fifth and sixth graders often got taller than me. And well, I'm, you know, five, six. I'm not short. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about the food pyramid, but they are building them big these days. <laughs> but, you know, I, I see that officers could say, look, you pushing that kid in the hallway, I just visited, you know, I just viewed an assault. You, you can't put your hands on other people that way. An officer deals with it differently. A teacher says, keep your hands off that kid. And the kids, you know, there's probably kids in the public school that turn around to the teacher and say, hey, don't get in my face or I'll smack you too. Right? You see that in the public I, schools? I know I experienced it and actually got hit on numerous occasions, uh, almost daily. But you wouldn't if there was an officer standing in the hallway. Not usually when there was an officer. That's right. And so that's how you increase safety. So I don't know how they're going to increase safety. It didn't look like they elaborated on it. I think there's going to have a feeling specialist. That's kind of the direction we've gone. Well, when you get into the 14%, so this is what I'm asking, and this is what taxpayers should ask, please call Spokane Schools and find out. So you need 14% of your budget, and it is to cover safety and safety specialists, but you've gotten rid of the resource officers, 
And I, I'm just not sure. Again, transparency. How is that money being spent? And My how is guess, it helping though, with safety? We've kind of seen how this trend happens. The Spokane Public Schools say they're going to do something. Resources for kids, lower classroom size, blah, blah, blah. And what happens? You end up having grant writers and different people or made up positions in the new administrative building. I guess it's not new anymore, but the administrative building gets fuller of people. There's outside consultants. There's outside contracts. There's all this We have other a lot stuff. of outside contracts. We have a lot of equity specialists now. Equity special. Well, and that's one of the things too in government that we're funding so much are these, you know, crazy do nothing positions that 90% or more of the faculty and students don't even know this position exists. The only people that do are maybe a few activists or the people that that individual interacts when they're working part-time for full-time pay. Yeah, I completely agree. So. Something else that they also talk about is curriculum. And I know that the district just bought $6.8 million worth of a reading program, which is reading only, does not include writing. So they have to look at another program to try and do a writing program. And well, re reading and writing used to be together, but you know what? If you separate them, then you can, then the number of programs you have look bigger. Could. And what I don't understand is within the last 10, 12-ish years, they bought about the same amount of money, about a $7 million program and called Journeys. And so I'm wondering how that became obsolete. Why did we need the new shiny one? Um, I know quite a bit about reading and I know how to teach reading and I don't need a shiny curriculum to do it. I know the foundation of well, it and I know how to teach it. I think the new curriculum probably has more sentences that uses they and them in singular terms. And has probably, part probably of that. more equity statements would be my guess. Right. There's a whole lot more of this social engineering stuff worked yeah. in and so they have to do, get new curriculum so that, you know... You got the identity politics in there. But, but if you're struggling with your 14% gap, why and how can you afford a $6.8 million? This yeah. was in the last year, or I think I was in there in the fall. I can't remember exactly when they bought it. Um, yeah, $6.8 just for reading. And we got rid of the old $7 million one. Not sure where that went. Right. I think they probably could have kept it and, and maybe not ask the taxpayers for more money. Another thing too that I saw is they, I think in the advertising, I don't know if it's in the voters pamphlet, they said they're going to re uh, replace technology. So more laptops. So I get frustrated with this because there's right now in the legislature, there's a law that they're trying to move through to ban cell phones in the classroom. Cause of course, teachers can't get this children to put down their cell phones. They don't have any power enforcement because the legislature and the school districts have not empowered teachers to say, hey, you can't be on. So back to the systems breaking. Right. And if they let teachers do their job, they wouldn't have that problem right. because well, I would be, put them in a bucket the second they walked in the classroom. It used to be you couldn't write notes back and forth, right? Yeah. And and so now you got all this technology. And so it's, it's a huge distraction. But the people down in Silicon Valley, the folks over in the, you know, the high tech Dallas firms and, you know, these big cities where they have these high tech districts, those kids go to schools that don't have laptops and their parents are tech engineers because pushing buttons doesn't make you smarter. Knowing the fundamentals of math and science and reading does. So why do we need the laptops Amen. if the big tech people say the children don't? It's a very good point. And maybe we should, again, ask Spokane Public Schools that exact question. Well, and we should ask Chris Reich. I don't know why it's it's hard to pronounce his name. So he wants to force all of this on us because Bill Gates 
decades ago, donated computers to the schools, and then sold us the programs for decades. We are enriching special interests with our children and giving them a subpar education because they're navigating Microsoft instead of learning how to read and write. So we shouldn't pass this levy because we don't want the children to have screens in their face because there is child psychologists out there that have been screaming from the mountaintops. Children are suffering because of screen time, and that includes digital learning. And, oh, I've got one for you. So in the pamphlet that went out, this lovely pamphlet from Spokane Schools, our superintendent makes a statement that he is actively working to ensure that every child has access to engaging extracurricular activities, promoting a healthy alternative to screen time. But in their levy, they specifically say that we are going for more student computer laptops. That sounds like a contradiction to me. I don't get it. A healthy alternative to screen time. You know, the voters pamphlet did that. They mailed you out a physical voters pamphlet. They didn't just send you a link. That's how you do it. It's pretty easy. I mean, it costs less too. But then again, you've got all these tech firms, you got all these people, all these people in the administrative offices that have to, you know, block things, students hack into things, students look up things they're not supposed to. You have to have all this personnel to police the technology instead of having textbooks would get rid of all those jobs. actually true. But I have another question, and it's going to cross-pollinate just a little bit, because the other thing you're going to see on your ballot is about the libraries. Yes or no for the money for the libraries. And right now what we have is with every new school remodel, we have new libraries going into the school. Mm -hmm. So we have over at Shaw Middle School is combined with the Spokane Public Library right inside the same building. It's really nice. I've been there. looks nice. However... I don't understand why the libraries need more money if we are getting rid of books because we're going to laptops and technology. Yeah, we've got to have a one way or the other, yeah. right? One way or the other. Well, why the do other the libraries problem, need more money? Well, because the libraries have to buy new computers. You know, the people that have computers at home that are corrupted because they look up things they shouldn't. So instead, they're going to the library to look it up, right? You know, but then you have all those people, just like at the schools, you got to have the tech staff that's always defragging or doing whatever so that the people that are looking up stuff they're not supposed to on the computers that have viruses. So, it, I mean, well, we're I'm just funding saying, all the, the libraries need, are asking for money for librarians. Li- the school is asking for money for librarians. It just seems Seems well, like Natalie, we're double dosing in all of these areas and pots of money. It's mm-hmm. what in government they call it duplicative spending. We're spending the money in two places. So instead of buying technology, computer, and laptops for the libraries and the schools, don't buy them for either one. Make the people read books and don't let them look at bad things on the internet. And I want to go back and just remind you we're spending upwards of nineteen thousand dollars per student closer to 20 no, 20 it's closer it's to 20, 20. Almost. so we're looking at about 110 dollars a day folks per student going to our well, public schools well but then you also have to fund break you know, it down part of the special funding is so that the kids can go on outings right so that they can take no they've pretty much taken all the outings away not yep. all of them because you know the, the school library is too close. So they have to hop on a bus and go to the public library and visit the public library. We do have those outings because they collude. I mean, they collaborate. The public libraries are in the schools. <laughs> no, but the public libraries Not are also down the street from the school. You got to go to the down. Da- <laughs> Every public school takes a trip to the downtown library, Commingling right? funds. You got, you got to know what homelessness looks like if you want to learn how to read. That's how the public education system is working in Spokane. That's what we're paying for. Still got a minute left. What Kay. else should we cover? I think the last thing I, or one point I just want to make sure that I am very clear about is I believe in public education, basic education, 
as long as we are providing it to students at that basic level. We don't need to have the frilly buildings, the new shiny curriculum. And I think we need to just get back to letting teachers teach. Give them the time to do the job that they went to school to do, which I know they can do. I've worked alongside of many of them. And we do a great job when we just have the time to teach what we're supposed to teach. Let teachers teach. Let children learn. Quit throwing them curveballs and quit building monstrosities of schools that don't serve the students. That's right. Okay, so folks. Children remember teachers and the relationships and the things that they were taught. Yeah, they do. They don't remember wide open spaces that are 20,000 cubic square feet that cost a lot to eat in the winter. They don't remember that. They remember the teachers that were just inside the classroom door that greeted them with a smile, but also some firm discipline if they didn't hand in that homework. Okay, so folks. Discipline, please bring that back. Use some of that money for allowing teachers to discipline, please. (sighs) Yes, that is something our whole culture needs is a little more. Accountability, accountability, Discipline and accountability, yes. So folks, again, remind everyone you know, there's a ballot in the mail that it's either you're going to spend more money, your rents are going to go up, or you're going to vote. Please remember to vote no on the levy measure for Spokane schools and reject the bond measure. All that being said, we'll be with you folks again tomorrow. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day.